All right. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Sarah Miltenberger, and I am the host of the Make Climate Cool Again podcast. And I have Skylar here from Happy Earth Habits. Uh, she's a senior at FIT, and she's started this movement on Instagram, and which, which is awesome. Um, I follow her pretty closely, and she gives a lot of like really awesome tips all the time and talks a lot about uh, – sort of the fashion industry and issues that are there for the planet. So Skylar, welcome and definitely, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, um, I'm so excited to be here. I can't wait. Um, yeah, so I have an Instagram, it's called Happy Earth Abbots, and I post all kinds of things on there. It was really just to spread awareness. It started um, when I went to school and realized how crazy this fashion industry is and the effects that it has on the environment. So I go to the Fashion Institute of Technology um, in New York City, and my major is fashion business management, but then I minor in ethics and sustainability, which is really where my passion is. Um, I grew up working in a ski shop and being outside all the time. And when I started to get more behind the numbers of everything in the ski shop and doing the buying for them, I was like, oh my God, <laughs> like something isn't adding up because we're all complaining about how there's no snow and then we're buying millions of dollars worth of merchandise and like, how do we make it? What's the effect on it? So I really deep dived into the whole environment and sustainable fashion when I was working in the ski shop and then it carried through and now I learned tons and tons about it all the time and hopefully we'll be making a difference and just changing people's thoughts a little bit on, you know, how to buy consciously and how to shop consciously and what to do with your stuff when it's done. Yeah. And you you and I have talked about um, working at a ski mountain because I was a ski instructor and how you, when you have a job where you're outside, you really notice the, you know, the climate obviously, because it, it's part of your day, your eight hours a day outside and how back I guess it's almost 10 years, 10 years ago now, there was way more snow in New England and winters were totally different than what they are now, which is crazy. And how ski mountains now are really struggling to make ends meet because when there's no snow, people don't think about skiing. And, and then I can't even imagine how that trickles down into the like the actual merchandise industry where they're producing skis, how that works. And there are so many markets for buying new re reused skis or loved skis. But I, this all, these effects, this affects business in a way that we don't necessarily think about on the surface level. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. I think really just like being outside and when you work outside and you're just it's like a connection too and so it really helps put motivation behind like why we're trying to make the planet better and why we're doing all this stuff rather than just oh gosh the planet's like not healthy we need to do things about it when you are connected outside and you love the outdoors there's like a fire under your butt a little bit which is good mm -hmm. I will say I have a lot of hobbies that are outdoor hobbies and there's so much stuff that you accumulate when you have outdoor hobbies. Like I have boxes of camping gear. I have a box of ski gear. I have, um, a box of golf gear. Like, and it's, it's, and everything I love to do is based on weather. And if you have good weather or bad weather, then you, and then you just all, all this stuff around your house. You're like, okay, uh, what do I do? Do I get rid of it? Do I donate it? Do I keep it in case I, you know, because I think for golfing, I mean, this summer has been really, really hot. I don't really want to go golfing in 100-degree weather. I haven't gone golfing all year. So do I continue golfing? I don't know. Like, yeah, so. no, it's definitely crazy. I think, like, there's Patagonia is the first company that goes to mind. They're for sure making change, like, huge waves in just the way that fashion and, like, all these outdoor industries are looking at their products. And what's really cool is – they really want to like change the mindset of people. So it's like buying a jacket one time and then keeping it for a long time, repairing it and like making sure that your products that you're buying are good and that they'll last for a long time. So I think and repairing them if they can get repaired and just keeping them um, and not 
like giving them away and then being like in 20 years, Oh my gosh, I need a ski jacket again. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something there's like a whole, there's a mix between that too, because obviously you don't want to keep a ton of your stuff, but it's, I think it's more of a mindset thing of when you're purchasing something, I want to make sure that I really, really love it. And then it will last for as long as I can make it last. Yeah. And I love Patagonia worn wear. I actually, I had bought a down jacket made out of recycled down and that was my main reason for buying it. And then the jacket ended up, I ended up not needing it after a a winter or two winters and brought it back with like another jacket that I had that I never used from Patagonia and they gave me a credit and they're like, oh, you can use it on the worn wear site as well as the regular site. And I just see no purpose in me using it for the regular site when the Warnware site has everything you could really want. Um, so I'm really excited about it. But it all came from, yeah, I was going through all my stuff when I was spring cleaning. And I it was around a time I got the Marie Kondo book, uh, Tidying Up, and I or Spark Joy. That's the book. And I've just, ever since I read that book, I, and, and I know the show came out and I started watching the show, people post all the time about them cleaning out their closets and what sparks joy. And so I recently saw the show and could not handle it. There was one episode where it was a, a couple in California that they're almost their entire house from floor to ceiling. They barely had a, of, of stuff and they barely had a walking path to get around all the boxes. And she, this woman had bedrooms full of clothing racks and stuff. And I just was like, who needs that much? And I think at the end of the episode, I kind of skipped through the episode because it was making my stomach hurt. Um, but they were like, oh, I think at the end of the day, we, we got rid of 150 to 200 bags of trash. And from one household, think about how much weight that is going to a landfill. You could have just had your own landfill with that much waste. Um, And it brings me to this idea that, yes, I think it's good to to live in an organized and minimalistic lifestyle as much as you do have hobbies that require stuff. But what – I'm afraid that the Marie Kondo effect has – made people just want to get rid of stuff all the time and not really think about what they're bringing into their home and the energy that it has. And, you know, when you get free stuff from conferences, just saying no to that stuff before you bring it in your house and then you're like, Oh, I don't need this. I'm going to throw it out. It's just, it, it's a huge, it's a bigger impact than you think. And it's not changing our behavior and how we consume. It's just changing how we get rid of it and diverting it to goodwill or, but that, we, we can talk about how even when you donate things to goodwill, like eventually they get shipped out to a third world country that America forces to mm-hmm. forces their way to dump old clothing, which upholds yeah. their own markets. And yeah. What are your thoughts on that so far? There's just so many layers to it all. Um, like with the Marie Kondo thing, I think it's a great way to motivate people to not buy things that they don't need. Right. So mm-hmm. yes, you have to clean out your closet to like get the steps through it. And so when you do clean out your closet, you just want to make sure that you're responsibly like taking care of what you're getting rid of, which I'll like kind of go into that a little bit in a minute, but really what it's doing is rewiring the way people shop and like the way people buy things, which is really important because like, again, it's so complicated in so many layers because you have to look back and say, okay, well, like at the conference, if you're not going to take something, well, that was still being made. So it's, it takes so much movement and so much communication from the consumer to whoever's making the products of what's going on. And like eventually us resisting or us not buying as much is going to shift the whole industry. Like if we're focusing just on fashion, it's going to shift the fashion industry so much. And it already has. It's mm-hmm. just the way that fashion is being bought now these companies, they want to make money. So they're going to have to shift to that. And they're listening. They have to listen like in voting with your dollar and like what you're buying in the way that you are like consciously consuming is so important because that's how they listen. That's how change happens. And these companies are so huge and there's so much like 
that they can do to shift things. Um, but they're not going to do it unless we tell them we want it done because mm-hmm. their goal is to make us happy. And if we're, you know, shifting that, it's really cool. So that I think Marie Kondo is amazing for that because it's really putting shining light on how to shop consciously. Like if you love it and you're going to wear it so many times, get it because it sparks joy. And if you're, you know, it also shines light on like minimalism and how you don't need all the stuff that you think you need, which is Mm -hmm. really amazing too. But when you are going through your stuff, which is a step to it because you have to like kind of cleanse to be able to Mm -hmm. even start shopping consciously. There's like, you really want to make sure that you're taking care of your clothes the right way. And so you can always resell them. That would be my first like love. I guess kind of going through (laughs) the way that I would think about it. You would resell it first and then um because Poshmark addict. Poshmark, there's so many Depop is good too. And then even just Mercari. Local thrift stores are amazing for that. Just supporting that industry because that's gonna be great. And there's so many clothes on this planet already that we really don't need to be making tons and tons more. Mm -hmm. And so by supporting the thrift stores, that's amazing. And then donate what can be donated, which is really good. And then, um, you know, upcycle things, cut them up into rags. You can, you know, make yarn out of it. I've seen, if you go on Pinterest, there's tons of like ways that you can cut it certain ways and you can like knit pot holders out of it and really cool stuff um, that I was, I've seen that. I haven't tried to make yarn out of it, but I've thought about it. And then also like recycling them. The thing with recycling is it gets a little like, complicated as this all is there's so many layers of that too but um when you look at what's going on with recycled textiles really um most of our clothing is a mixed like fabric blend they're mixed blends Mm -hmm. so when we like polyesters in so much of our clothes and that is a plastic and so um you can if like you have a cotton shirt that's 98 percent cotton and then like two percent polyester that shirt can't be recycled because it can't be unblended. Um, and so that's where it gets, like, it couldn't be recycled back into a cotton Mm -hmm. shirt. It could be recycled into insulation. It could be like used for so many other things, but, um, that's also like why we want to put some money behind shirts that are hundred percent cotton or hundred percent one material, because then it is so much easier to recycle. Um, but when it's like blended with all this crazy stuff, then it's so much harder to recycle it into what it was, you know, close a loop on it basically and get it out of the landfill. And also what's really cool is there's a lot of companies that are realizing that this is what needs to happen. Um, obviously Patagonia, like you said, you can take your stuff back whenever you want. They'll give you credit or they'll fix it. Like mm-hmm. my backpack I've had, I've gone to the Warnware thing probably three times because the zipper broke when there was a hole in it and I've had it for so many years um, and so Patagonia North Face also has like a drop off. You have to, you would have to like call them to make sure because I don't know if all locations do it, but you can send your clothes there. Mm-hmm. H&M has one that does recycling too. And then there's also like TerraCycle. You can oh, order. Oh, I love TerraCycle too. And they recycle base pretty much anything. And so you can go online and check them out. And then there was a cool thing that I was looking up. Um, I, again, I'm in New York and it's called Grown NYC. And they have on their website, it's like a tracker almost of where you can drop stuff off. So they have a compost one so you can look and see where you can drop your food waste off. And then also one for textile waste. And it's just a map. And so I'm sure there is other things. I just know Grown NYC is the one that New York uses. But there's so many, I'm sure, in other places. So just like a quick Google search and the extra effort to go and like be responsible about what you're doing with your stuff to keep it out of the landfill. Yeah, no, I actually didn't even know about the blends. I didn't think about that. And I've definitely recycled clothing through the green markets because sometimes they have those bins. Um, But it's interesting what you said. I think when I think about shopping, first off, I really do try to buy my things off of Poshmark. It's also easier because you can actually find that exact thing that you want it, that you want uh, just because of the searching capability, whereas thrift stores, it's, it's definitely know. more of an experience. Yeah. <laughs> you never know what you're going to find. Um, so, and even I think about, okay, when I own something, I always did the math in my head of how much 
the shirt is valuable to me per use. Mm-hmm. Like if I wear it a hundred, if it's a $10 shirt and I wear it a hundred times, you know, I'm really getting the value of the shirt back. Um, and so I've had things since high school, since college when I worked at J crew and J crew is doing a lot of really interesting stuff in sustainability world. But what I thought was really interesting that you were talking about today earlier was how a lot of people buy things just for one night or a date or, um, you know, a networking event and they just need to grab something quick. And I have definitely have fallen victim to this where I was at a conference and I was freezing and I had to just go out and buy a sweater during the lunch break because I was so cold. So places like Forever 21 and, and cheap workwear are actually really struggling to compete in the retail market because people aren't buying clothing that they wear once and falls apart after the first wash. Well, I think, um, like there's huge disruptors in the industry right now, like rent the runway and they're, they're the main one, but it's all about renting. And it's so cool. Like from the industry, like when you're, when we're all looking at it, it's amazing to see how just one company can really like shake things up. And so rent the runway. (laughs) Yeah. Rent the runway is amazing. I'm an avid user and that is like my go-to quick fix for like, I need a dress for this one thing that I like normally I probably, if I wasn't as like into this, I would have just, Oh, gotten a quick dress wherever at some fast fashion place. But now that I've run the runway, it's so much better because instead of a dress getting worn one time and being thrown out or maybe even worn five times, it now is being worn like 20 times by so many people. Um, which is really cool. And they are so big on sustainability. They recycle all their plastic. So reuse all the garment bags. Um, Their dry cleaning has really good like footprint standards and they're an amazing company. And then it also, as I said, they were a huge disruptor. So now there's other companies like I know um, Ann Taylor and a lot of, I think, New York and company. Yeah. New York and company and American Eagle, they all have kind of like rental programs, which mm-hmm. is really cool. And so that is just now a whole new part of the industry. And like in the retail world, we've seen a lot of ups and downs recently, I'd say in the past 10 years, especially with like e-commerce and like is brick and mortar dead. There's been so much crazy and, you know, fast fashion, everything has just been really up in the air And a lot of companies are like, what do we do next? Like our sales aren't doing good. Like there's just a lot of crazy going on. And I think this renting option is such an amazing way to bring in customers, get them engaged, get them, you know, using things, but then you're still making money off this rental, but you're not, you know, buying, you're not selling as many units of it, which is great because it's less carb, like that's less impact on the earth. Yeah. And I think, you know, we talk about fast fashion for specific types of companies like Zara, but really the industry itself moves so quickly and it's very hard. They have to be very agile to change because people change their minds and and fashion decisions are made so instantaneously. I actually did read today. So I've never tried La Tote is very similar to Rent the Runway. I've never tried it. I've had a roommate that used it and liked it. Mm-hmm. So I just read today that La Tote is buying Lord and Taylor. Oh, cool. Um, for $75 million. I think that's right. Uh, and I, they're really going to be pushing in their their strategy for renting and sort of the uh, stylist services that people really enjoy from Stitch Fix and Nordstrom's. Um, what's their box? They have. Uh, I don't remember what it is. They have a box. There's one. so many different boxes uh, that you can get. Um, but La Tote is another one where it's rented clothing and you can keep what you like at a discount. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm really interested to see how Lord and & Taylor and uh, La Tote yeah. work together. So I think we're definitely seeing the sharing economy growing. And I'm really excited about that because in general, especially if we talk a little bit about the economics, our generation, we're straddled with um, or saddled with student debt. <laughs> and we there's living the cost of living is so high. 
we're paying over 30% of our income in rent. Uh, and then we have debt and, and it's just everything else costs a lot of money. So there's not a lot of extra income for us to be investing into these quality pieces. So yeah. it's hard to know what to buy. And so the sharing economy makes those items a lot easier to access. Well, and I think also it's like what you said for workwear, that's an amazing way to like for especially younger people trying to get into the workforce and you want to go in feeling confident. And this is the thing. Clothes are such a huge part of your everyday life. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that's your personality and how you show the world who you are. It's such a huge part. And so when you're going into a job, like having the option to have nice clothing that you can be professional in and you can be stylish and change it up is going to like make it so much better and so much easier. And then you're saving money and you know, we, I really like to think about it. Like when we, in my classes, we look at what's going on with the supply chain and like how these products are being manufactured. And when you think about it, like the economic, the most like way that you can save the most money is probably going to be best for the environment. Because if you're having all this excess waste, like that's just money. And sometimes like even on a day-to-day, like personal basis, when you're using a water bottle versus buying plastic water bottles, you're going to save money over time. And so a good way to like, I don't know, it's like kind of a trick up my sleeve that I use is like Mm -hmm. when people aren't really open or available to listening to the effects that it has on the environment, because you know, some people just aren't on that level right now. A great way to like ease your way into that conversation is you're going to save so much money if you change the way that you're doing this. Like if you could reuse all your scraps and to make something else rather than just throwing them out, oh my God, you're going to save so much money. And so like the economic move is always the environmental move too. And I just think it's such a, there's so much going to be changing and I'm really excited to be in the industry while it's happening. Yeah, totally. And it's funny you said that because So when I moved out to California for three months to work for Tesla, I was so stressed out about what to pack and what to wear to work. And I had no idea what the office environment was going to be like. Um, And so I packed a bunch of basics and I, and I used rent the runway for all my other fun weekend activities or, you know, things I needed for meetings, et cetera. And And I was like, oh, I'll just bring a bunch of basics. And then depending on how well they hold up, if I have to like throw them out or recycle them before I come back to the East Coast, then I can do that. And I really, sometimes that can be a good way to pack, but I also felt bad about throwing out a t-shirt that I got at Target for $8. They just don't hold up very well over a long period of time. But I know that to make that t-shirt, there's like a pretty, it's a pretty significant process. Yeah. There's like tons of layers, um, into the whole thing. So I specialize in product development, mm-hmm. um, within the fashion business area of my degree, which is really cool because, you know, you get to learn all the ins and ins and outs of everything. And then also like when you put sustainability in my minor with that, I really get to go, okay, so what is the environmental impact of what's going on here? And so one of my, like, favorite things that I did was I looked at a dress, a viscose dress from Forever 21 and then one from Reformation and compared the environmental impact of both of them. And like, it honestly is so crazy to think of what goes into it. So viscose is made from pulp from trees. So in order to make this fabric you have to cut trees down and so when you're cutting trees down that affects your the carbon intake because trees are huge carbon sinks for us they absorb a lot of the carbon in the air and so you're also you know that's deforestation so there's you're disrupting like wildlife and whatever's going on there and then you have to turn the tree into pulp which is tons of chemicals which very energy intensive Marion, yeah, tons of energy, tons of machinery, um, and like chemicals, like just chemical use, chemical dumping. It's crazy. And then um, that goes to the, I guess, turned into fabric process, which is 
more chemicals, more energy used, and you know, more pollution in the air and the water. And then once it's finally made into fabric, it probably gets shipped four or five. This is more of like the fast fashion. When we look at more like eco-conscious brands, the process is completely different. Um, but so once it's in fat, once it's in the fabric, that fabric will probably get shipped to multiple different factories for different things. So it could be shipped to another factory just to put buttons on a dress. And so they would do, they would like sew the dress or cut the dress in one factory, ship it to another factory to be dyed, um, ship it to another factory to get buttons on it, and then ship it to another factory to be finished. And then it would probably, if you're looking at any fast fashion brand, it would be put on a plane and flown somewhere to a warehouse and then put on a truck and then like put in a store. It would go through that whole process and then you're looking at, okay, how many times are they wearing it? And then if, depending on what kind of fabric it is, so if it was made out of plastic, so if it was anything like that, the effect that it has during the like life of it would be, there's microplastics that come off into the water based off of it. And then, you know, what is the end of life look like for this garment? And so there's this whole like curtain that you have to open up when you're looking at how products are made. And that's really where like, these really innovative um, companies and brands come in because they're looking at it from such a different view, right? And when they're making this dress, they're thinking, what's going to happen at the end of the life? Like, where's it going to go at the end? And, you know, how do we promote people to take care of their clothing the right way? And um, so Reformation is really... Love a, Reformation. Yes a huge like change maker in this area. So when I looked at the way the Reformation dress was being made, the place that they get their pulp from was they would replant all the trees that they took down. Um, and then they also had scientists that worked on the way, like on ground with them to make sure that they were not taking too much at one time. Right. So there was always a cycle and then all of their factory, it was all in one place. And so where the pulp was made and the viscose was made, it was all like in the same general area. And most of the factory was powered by like 70% of the factory was powered by renewable clean energy. And so that in itself, the factory being powered by the clean energy makes such a different impact versus being powered by fossil fuels and like polluting. And then, you know, when they, are selling the dresses. I mean, most, they're only doing it in one factory. So it's not being shipped over all over places. It's kind of like a factory line of factories for all these like tiny little details, which is so weird to me after working in a factory and seeing how efficient it can be in one place. It, it blows my mind that tiny little changes would need, it would need to be shipped. Well, and so it's the way the fashion industry has been structured structured for years is just based on gross margin. Like how much money can you make from something? And that's how your CEOs are evaluated. That's how your job would be evaluated. That's how a store is evaluated. That's how a factory is evaluated is how efficient and like how much money are they going to make? And so it is like one factory might be able to put buttons on cheaper than another factory. And it's actually like cheaper to just do it that way than to keep it in in the same place. Yeah. And so like your garments, if from like fat, these fast fashion companies and also like a lot of companies that have good prices that aren't just like fast fashion have probably traveled way more than you have before, like in the past (laughs) months. Right. And it's, it's really just kind of crazy because my clothes are Delta platinum sky memories before I am where you are. And so, you know, I, there's a shift going on right now in the fashion industry too, but like all the people that were working there, their whole goal was just to save money, not, and, and like, that was really what the consumer's goal was. And it was powered by the consumer because that's where trends come from. That's where like buying habits come from. It's from the consumer. And like, people can say all that they want that companies, you know, have done so much bad, but really they're just listening to the consumer. And so as a consumer, we have to be more conscious and more, you know, we have to use our power. We have a lot of it. And so, you know, there's a huge shift going on right now, which is really cool. And it's, a lot of good things are happening and coming. 
um, especially with like even just the way that we're getting educated. Now, if you would have been at FIT 10 years ago, nobody would have been talking about the environmental impact of doing it in one factory and then shipping it to the other factory to get something done. They would say, this is the way to do it because you're making money. But now people are like, it's totally changed. What the fuck? Like this is yeah. how, like this just doesn't make sense. And so there's a lot of good that's happening. And then also like back to reformation, they educate their, like their customer on how to take care of their clothes, which is like a whole nother part of it because it's a whole even, nother layer. Yeah. yeah like, even just the production, like, yes, that has so much environmental impact, but there's a whole other half of its life. Like that's not even, it's like a third of the life. The other half or the other third is wearing it and what happens to it when it's done. And so educating the consumer on that is almost just as important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. It's interesting because that you say that because That's the whole, that was my whole premise for the podcast was we can blame the agriculture industry and the manufacturing industry as much as we want, but the reality is regular people like you and me are making decisions every day that are part of these, you know, monster industries. And if they're not aware of the problem, then they're not going to make the decision that's best for the environment and for the planet as a whole and for the population as a whole. So it it's really comes down to it's our responsibility to be aware and to be educated at least a little bit about what's going on. And I know my dad works in supply chain, so I get to hear a lot about the strategies around cost savings. And, you know, he's working with jet engines and not fast fashion, but there are a lot of the same principles um, are in both. And also if you think about like manufacturing industries, they're all switching over to energy efficient practices because it saves them money. They're saving, they're saving money in all these different ways. And I just, part of me is like, why was this not a thing before? I don't really get why it wasn't discussed or it wasn't a thought that this was like saving energy is always better regardless. I mean, I think we also have to trust like, I know mother earth, like there was reasons that we needed to learn this so that maybe like the crazy technology that's coming is just going to like completely change the game. And I think like, that's really cool. And even just to be more conscious with your, what, how you're buying and, when you're conscious in one area of your life, it tends to trickle. And I think mm-hmm. that's also what's happening is people are just waking up a little bit. Like they aren't going through the motions. They're going, wait a sec, like this can't be good or this can't be right. Okay. How do I make it better? Like we saw, I mean, if you look at the food industry and what's happening, like what happened there, there's so much, that's why I have so much hope. And that's why I'm so hopeful is because you can look at other industries and see what's going on. And, you know, like in my trend forecasting class, that is one of our main ways that we predict what's going to happen in the fashion industry is we're looking at other industries and like with organic food and no pesticides, like, I don't know, I'm from Columbus, Ohio originally, and you'd have to go to Whole Foods and that was like 20 minutes away from us to find organic produce. And now at every single grocery store within three minutes of my house, there is a huge section of organic, natural, like produce and processed food, which was not there even just like yeah seven years ago and so that is why I have so much hope for the fashion industry and you I mean look I was just reading on business of fashion today that um forever 21 is in financial trouble and they might be filing for bankruptcy which is that's just right there proof that voting with your dollar actually does have an effect on a company and you know Zara came out with this whole sustainable initiative and H&M is really you know, trying to change it. And I think there's also like tons of creative ways that we can start to change fast fashion. Like this whole idea of fast fashion isn't probably going to go away because it comes from social media mostly of just like people seeing things all the time. Like we're constantly connected. We're constantly 
you know, seeing new trends, seeing what people are wearing and wanting to adapt them and change it. And, you know, that's probably not going to go away. Like our phones aren't going to go away. If anything, it's just going to, we're going to get more connected. And so I think the idea of fast fashion, like it could change and be so cool, right? Like maybe we have a dress that can go right in, like you plant it and it turns into something like you wear it a few times and that would be so cool. There's so many cool things that I know. Like, People are doing that now too with business cards and uh, packaging yeah. and that, that's exciting to me where, or you know, it'd be really cool when they have like the six pack for beer, you could plant it yeah. or there's one that is a six pack of beer and the casing had turtle food. Oh yeah. As part I mean, of the car in the cardboard like so that if it went in the water, it would yeah. be you know, decompose and it would feed the turtles though. Maybe just fish in general. I don't know if it's specifically turtles, but I think that's what I'm excited about is companies that are really going to be innovative with their packaging. And I, and we'll move away from just these, this plastic that we use one time that is actually built to last forever. So that, and that doesn't make sense to me, but thinking about companies that are doing the right thing and, and organic and, I think one thing we have to be careful of though is greenwashing and is, you know, just because something has green on their packaging or it's colored green doesn't mean it is green. And, and, and a lot of people will fall for it and be like, Oh, like Clorox has a, this is, this is the new Clorox packaging. Like it has to be green. It's still leech. (laughs) It (laughs) doesn't mean anything uh, because these companies want to make money and they want to capitalize on this movement. Yeah. And that's why we're seeing these shifts and people have to be careful. Yeah, like, what mean, are companies that you know are doing really good things that you would suggest people to yeah. look into? Um, well, I love Patagonia. Like I will talk about Patagonia till I turn blue. Um, so they are like really the number one to me. I love to support them. And I think they also one thing that I love about what they do is if they wanted to work with a factory and it wasn't up to their sustainability standards, they put money into it to turn it into mm-hmm. reformation is great. Um, with reformation, sometimes you do have to be careful though. You have to check to see um, what things are made out of. And, you know, all birds is amazing um, for sneakers and girlfriend? are you into the girlfriend athleisure? Company? Yeah, they're awesome too. They, they fit really well. Um, but one of my like rule of thumbs, I guess, cause you know, all these companies could be doing really great things, but you also have to be careful. Like, I hate to say that. And I wish we could just all be like, yay, go whoever, but you do kind of have to double checks on some stuff. And, you know, we have computers, we have phones, we're connected all the time. So yeah, it's my computer in my hand pretty much 24 seven. Just go on their website and like kind of read into it. If it makes sense in your head, then it's probably all good. And if it you're reading it and you're like, okay, there's some holes in this, or there isn't, there's not even like any information on how they say they're green. Like it's just we are eco friendly, and then there's nothing after that. Um, you know, all these eco conscious and like great companies that are doing it sustainably, doing it the right way. They want to share how they're doing it. They're not trying to hide anything. They want everybody to do it. And like, that's kind of how you go into it. And I really go based off my gut and my feeling, like if it feels good, it's probably good. And if it feels slimy and like, not really, like if I'm questioning it, I don't normally go there. Um, Mm -hmm. but that's like my personal opinion, but you know, you also have to trust that these companies who are like using it as greenwashing. I don't really even love that. Like there's a lot of negative like around greenwashing and I don't even think it's that negative. It's really waking people up. It's giving them like they're making them aware of what's going on. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's really important too, is like to allow these companies to do like, we should, I don't know, like go this whole cancel culture thing where we have to go like boycott them because they were like, they're really not that sustainable. Well, no, it's, it's waking other people up who might not be on your level right now, but eventually, you know, everybody will start up leveling, which is really cool. And you also have to think like you started somewhere. And so these people, yeah, Clorox with their eco, not so eco-friendly bleach, whatever they, 
might not be as great as, you know, other, so many, there's so many other cleaning products that are 10 times better. So much better. Yeah. Yeah. For so many reasons, but these people have to start somewhere. Like somebody who's been using Clorox wipes and has like cleaning all this stuff all the time. They're not just going to go to like bulk vinegar in a mason jar to leave <laughs> like that is just not gonna happen not so gonna happen the evolution and like that things will happen when it's happening and like then that might spark a conversation with somebody or you know there's just and- so it's it's really it really is good and that's why I get a little weird when people are like you know I don't shop at fast fashion places I like refuse to but we do have to like applaud the effort because now, you know, five years ago, nobody knew that fast fashion was bad. So we like, need to reward them because sometimes companies are doing more than you think. Like I'm a big proponent of Target. I love Target. Yeah. A lot of the things that they produce are passively green. Most people wouldn't know that they're green, but when you actually look at the tag, it, act- it says that they're made out of post-consumer recycled material. A lot of the packaging is post-consumer recycled or it's from like a lot of their towels now, even their cheap towels have uh, recycled fibers, yeah. which is great. Um, and so naturally I'm like, yes, Target, boo, Walmart. But I recently had a friend who, for all you listeners, will be eventually coming on the podcast. He works at Walmart in their sustainability team yeah. and they're actually doing a ton of really cool stuff. I can't, I'm not going to talk about it now because I'm going to save it for the podcast. But I was seriously surprised at some of the initiatives they have. Granted, no one's perfect. And I think that's a really important feeling that we need to focus on is we can't expect perfection immediately. It is a process of understanding and education and always looking for a better way and kind of being gentle with ourselves as well, not just the companies that we put our dollar towards, but you know, just because you forgot your cup one time, you shouldn't hate yourself. Or maybe there are times when I've even debated, should I even get the coffee if I don't have the plastic cup, but I really need it, you know? I I just uh, like did a whole post on this because what you have to, nobody's perfect and we can't like hold ourselves to this perfection standard about it, right? Because the minute we do that, I, I like to talk like energy and like what's going on in your body and what's like affecting other people. But when we are like so rigid on like, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing this. I will suffer instead of getting water. And even though it's so hot, I refuse, I refuse. Like, okay. Like I, I'm that way. I'm not, I'm very extreme and like will take things to the extreme. But then I have to be like, okay, Skylar, like simmer down, you know, like it's not the end of the world. Um, I mean, I do carry my water bottle everywhere, but that took me four years to build this habit of like having a second child, right? Like I'm carrying this person around, mm-hmm. but I think like what's really important is just being good, right? Like feeling good. And when you're feeling good, it's just going to trickle out. So like, I like my roommate, she came into like living, I guess like when we started living together, I had no idea that there was like even anything. And now I like, she's amazing. Like she has she's a great recycler. Exactly. She's a great recycler. She uses plastic free shampoo. She brings over her water bottle everywhere. She has utensils. Like before she would use plastic utensils all the time. And I'm like, like if she, oh if my gosh. Yeah. Like, so everyone, many- every one of my roommates would also agree with you saying like, we had recycling signs in our apartment. <laughs> I've labels on it. Yes. I've labels everywhere. They're all better recyclers now. Yeah. So I, I do think it's important to also just trust that like there's pockets of people everywhere and like me and you, and I'm sure everybody that you have on this podcast has such an influence. And that's something like with Happy Earth Habits when I started it, um, it was really just to like educate people. But there's also this whole community behind it that I didn't even know was there. And it's like, it makes me so happy because like those people are changing other people's ideas. And it's just everybody's so connected and like sometimes we have to be like no we've really we are connected we're we're living all around each other all the time and what I do and the way that I feel and the way that I am is gonna affect somebody and like when I'm doing eco-conscious stuff happy from a good place so many other people are gonna want to do it because you oh know, 
like making it easy and people are like oh I can do that like that's exactly what happened with my roommate it's like it's intimidating it's scary at first you're like holy shit I don't even know yeah I don't even know what to do like what but now like now the, and like that's what's happening is people are waking up they're con like they're becoming more conscious consumers and conscious human beings almost and I do think like when you start being more eco-friendly it does change how you think about everything oh right? a thousand percent um when I was running the sustainability program at one of my last companies early on I was like we should compost composting would be a really good, uh, because I was, you know, watching people's behaviors and what we were throwing out and we we're throwing away so much food. Yeah. So like, this is perfect. We need to do compost. And it started out slow and it was what's compostable. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I can't compost this. Uh, people would ask me questions all day long. Luckily <laughs> I kind of sat it. We were a startup space. Yeah. So I kind of sat near the kitchen. People would ask me pretty easily what was recyclable. Hey, can I compost this? Yeah. No, I'm not even kidding. They would just hold it up. Compost? Maybe? <laughs> yes? Okay. And um, and then when we, we eventually moved to a larger space and we added a very special area for composting and it became the culture to the yeah. point where we would bring in guests and the guests would start to throw something away and the the employees would be like, Oh, actually we compost that. And I was blown away because it really was almost every single person at the company was on board and that had taken, it taken a year. It took a year to get there, but it happened and they felt really good about it. And then they were teaching other people about it. And I think it's the same when you bring your cup to Starbucks or your local coffee shop, you have your cup. The barista's like, oh my gosh, that's so great that you're bringing a cup. Sometimes yeah. they give you free almond milk or they give you more than what you asked for. And then other people kind of see that you're getting more and that you brought your cup. And they're like, oh, I got to bring my cup next time, you know? And it's just this cycle yeah. of, it's kind of like paying it forward but for the planet? Yeah. Well, I like, I kind of think it's like coding almost like you're, you, by you bringing your cup, you like put a trigger in somebody's mind of like, oh, that is. And then they see somebody else bring a cup and they're like, oh, somebody else did it. And then they see you at the same coffee shop, bring your cup again. And they're like, oh, I'm bringing a cup next time. Like, yeah. Duh. And so, yeah, I think. Why am I using this one cup one time and throwing it out? Yeah. And I could just, I have so many free ones at home. <laughs> that I've gotten from work. Yeah. Most people have reusable mugs in their house. I feel like I should do a survey. I want to know in America, how many people have reusable mugs? It's probably the number is really high. And actually, even so, you know, I know people are like, you know, ditching the straw and all this stuff. I love my final straw. I uh, would love to have them on the podcast. Um, but even like Jared Freed, who's a comedian, I listen to a lot of his podcasts. He, he's very anti-plastic or he's very anti-paper straw. Yeah. He likes the plastic straw. Exactly, yeah. But he would actually usually drinks his coffee with no lid. Not even a straw, no lid. So he's, I'm like, you know what? If, even if you're hating on the paper straw and you like plastic straws, you're still reducing your plastic by using no lid. So yeah. that's great. I, I think it also like, it's just awareness. People will become more aware eventually. And we all still have to trust like, yeah, all of us who are, you know, tree huggers are like, it's not happening fast enough. <laughs> like mama earth has got us. Like she's like, no, 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 guys, this is, we're making waves. Like this is huge. Like good things are happening. And I like also like what, when you're talking about composting, another thing that I think is really important too, is like when people are educated, it's really so much easier because they have this like confidence behind them to like make changes and stick up for what's going on. And like, because they were educated about their compost, they could tell the guests there, Oh no, no, no. We compost. Like this is how you do it. And then, Oh, there's a code for them. That's like, Oh, I'm going to remember that. Like that's, that's something. And, and so I think that's really cool. And I think that's another thing that I always try to do is like come from, the, the education part of it is like, oh, like, let me help you learn something or even teach me. Like, mm -hmm. I 
my other favorite thing about Happy Earth Habits is people are sending me stuff all the time like, oh, this is what I do. I'm like, oh, that's ingenious. Why didn't I yeah, do Yeah, why didn't I think of that? And, and have- so it's this whole thing. And that's, that's how it should be, right? So like being eco-friendly and being like conscious consumer, there's a whole community behind it too. And like so many ways to connect with people. And I think like if we start tapping in on that, it's just going to feel so much better. It's going to feel like people are going to want to do it. Oh yeah. And I think what's great too is it, it, it comes back to this idea of like this sharing community. I think if we're all really come together on this issue and we're sharing and, and working together towards this problem, I think it only makes us stronger. And it also, you know, we bring it back to work and we bring it to our families and it just creates this really positive energy that, you know, it, it doesn't take away from your day. I think it really does add to your day and, and just makes you a happier person. Even though climate change is scary, <laughs> there's so much anxiety and stress and like these statements of we're not doing enough and you know we've crossed the threshold, we can't go back. Like That stuff is a lot of negative energy, but I think being able to do the small things yourself and and just learning constantly about new ways to do it and that's just going to happen naturally with the movement itself and we're going to see it on our shelves we're going to see it in the news we're going to see it we're going to start to see it really everywhere even i'm like blown away by how much change i've seen in the last six years um it's only going to get better and doing these small things really do bring a lot of happiness to life and you're in your day. And I'm, I'm really excited about hearing from other people their what they do on a regular basis and, and what makes them happy about helping the planet. Yeah. I, it's happy I, earth habits. Happy earth habits. <laughs> I something on my uh, story the other day and it was like, okay, like what, what is mama earth fist bumping you for today? And I just like had a little question box because I don't know, I just like felt like I wanted to read about it. And everybody was sending me in like everything that they've been doing and they're like, oh, I've been, I just like haven't been eating meat for three weeks and I didn't realize how easy it was and I love it and I'm so obsessed. Or like, I like forgot my reusable bag, but I refused to use grocery, like a plastic bag. So I just carried them all. Mm -hmm. And like, then I was like, oh my God, like I have to share these. And people were like this, like it just, when other people are doing it, people want to join in. It's like, I don't want to be left out. Yeah human nature. Like you don't want to be left out. You want to do it. And so I think when we create that, it's so much, it just makes it so much better. Yeah. And it's such an, it's an easier mental shift than most people realize like Connecticut just banned plastic bags or they're charging you now. And leading up to August one, which is when the ban started, you know, Target and Stop and Shop and a lot of stores were just putting out reminders which I thought was actually really amazing because I went to Target a bunch of times uh, before August 1, and they had a person standing there specifically, and they made it part of their checkout routine to tell everybody, like, by the way, like we're going to be charging the plastic bags. Don't forget to start bringing your own bags August 1. And I was like, you know how easy that was for them? You know, like we should have been doing this a long time ago. And also, and because of that, then – people in the community in like the Facebook page for my town started talking about how easy it was and why are we pay like why would you pay for such a cheap flimsy piece of plastic and and it's like what just because of this policy that is now put in place we've now completely changed our mentality about how we view plastic bags and it just it's crazy and i think that is what is amazing. And it's just these small things. People really don't realize that it's these small actions that have a really big impact. And it's like you said, it's the coding in people's brains. They see it. They want it. They like it. What is yeah. the, they buy it. Know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean? So they'll do it and they'll do it. They won't buy it. They'll do it. Um, and I think that's what that's the positivity that we need to see and talk about and tell people about because when they see other people doing it, they'll do it too. Yeah. I think it's, there's a lot of good that's coming. And I mean, yes, there are some things that will 
make me go crazy and I will be like a wreck for 20 minutes because I'm reading an article about something. But I also think that it's like a rite of passage. Like you kind of do have to have this like mental breakdown before you're like, okay, I need to get my shit together and I need to like start being better. And then once you, like once something switches in your brain and I really do think it's like when you're at that like mental breakdown point where you're like, oh my God, this is like really sad or this is really scary or you know, whatever, I have anxiety, whatever emotion it brings up, and you feel through that, then there's, like, this shift in your brain, and you're like, okay, let's go, let's do this, like, Mm -hmm. start thinking, and then, you know, for me, it was, like, one thing, and then I looked at everything differently. Yeah, it really is. Oh, my God. change. Yeah, and one of my favorite, like, tips to tell people to start is just like start with one part of your house or one part of your routine like start with your lunch or start with your bathroom and like start transition transitioning everything into like zero waste or plastic free or just like better products and then like eventually it's just gonna do you have like a just before we wrap up do you have like a favorite or a new habit that you've recently implemented into your life that you were like, Oh, I, I start doing this because it has this better. Um, actually, yeah. So probably right now is composting. Um, which like I live in New York city, the whole idea of composting, like really scared me for a little bit. (laughs) Like I was like, I don't want bugs. bugs." Yeah. So I actually, I just bought one on Amazon that I put it up above my fridge. So it's like up. Um, and it has like a pest proof, um, like locking kind of thing on it. Um, but the freezer was the other option that I was, we have like a really small fridge too. So that was like the other, that's a New York problem. I was like, Oh, I can do it in the freezer. And then I was like, Oh, just kidding. I could like my fridge is I'm bigger than my fridge. Like I can't fit in the freezer. So I found the pest proof one. And then I was like, Oh my God, there's so many like easy places to drop this off. Like, this is so easy. Why was I scared of it? Like, yeah. I mean, what? And we'll have to get the link from you for what, yeah. what you bought and I'll put it on my website, yeah, climate cool. And you guys can buy it if you want. Yeah. And so just, there's a huge environment. Like I really do think composting is going to be the future of everything because essentially we want everything to be able to go back into the earth and then create more. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that right now is like circular my- economy. Yeah. Exactly. And so that's my biggest thing right now that I've been like really loving and really doing is composting one, because I realized how easy it is Two, I'm like, Oh my God, I'm shifting. Like we're seeing it in the fashion industry already. There's so many like compostable products, like shoes, all this amazing things that are coming out of it. And I really do think like we have so much waste. We have to do something with it. And I, there's depending on what you read, the numbers, I'm not really, I don't know which ones are specifically the right ones, but when your food waste goes to a landfill, it makes like, it's so much more harmful to the environment sitting there with all these other kinds of chemicals. When, if you just put it with the other food waste and, you know, like dirt and the animals and let all that happen, um, the methane Natural processes, yeah. yeah, all of the stuff that happens there is so much better for the earth and creates more nutrient rich soils. And it's, it's really, it's a game changer. It really is. And we can't just keep sending things to landfill. Like my recent, uh, like habit change has been, I don't know. And I don't know why I think just from ease of use, I used to buy body wash in like a plastic bottle, not a recycled plastic bottle, but of course we'll get in another podcast about the recycling world and the different, the craziness happening there. Um, I actually just started buying bar soap in like paper wrapping yeah. or like, or whole foods. You can just buy it, um, yeah. without it, yeah. without it. And now I'm like, okay, I'm obviously still have soap. I'm not giving up anything, but I'm using way less material. Like exactly. it, and that's just an example of just a really tiny thing that doesn't change anything about your really about your day. And Exactly. It's a huge reduction in plastic and energy use and all this stuff. So that's my final tip. Um, so thank you so much for coming on, Skylar. I think everyone definitely go follow her at Happy Earth Habits. Yes. Seriously, it's an amazing uh, Instagram. She's got – I love her, your conscious outfit of the days. <laughs> thank everyone you. should do those and check those out because – 
They're so cute. Uh, and I'm just so happy that you came on and I'm excited to see where you go and thank you. And we're going to maybe work together in the future on some new projects. So you guys will keep, keep a, keep an ear out for, for those. Thank you. No, I'm so excited. It was so wonderful talking and you know, it's just good to be on the same level as some people. Yeah. Yay. Yay for new happy earth habits. Okay. Thanks everyone. Until next time. Stay golden.